Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. What's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, I'm Stephen Miller, and you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest from the wild world of crypto every single Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I, of course, am joined today by my co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how we doing? Doing good. Seeing brighter, brighter days. We're seeing a little correction going on in the market right now. But, you know, usually when people are starting to freak out and there's blood in the water, it means there's good buying opportunity. So overall, doing pretty good. How about you? Look, man, it's another great day in crypto land, even though we got a dip. The truth is people are freaking out over nothing. Again, if you were like, we saw, we talk about this every time and time again, when these drops happen, it's a buying opportunity. If you are freaking out over a 10% drop, sorry, NGMI, not going to make it. Okay. People need to relax. Okay. This market is nowhere near done. We are seeing a retest. We're seeing a healthy correction. That's all that we're seeing right now. Um, but if you want to see more from the world of cryptocurrency and learn a little bit more about what we do here, um, we've had got a great interview that just debuted yesterday with where Richard sat down with Riddick Dutta from um, Sublime Finance talking about crypto lending. And then also upcoming later on this week on Friday, we have in his interview with Christoph, not going to even try to butcher that last name, from Request Finance, who is all about asset management in the crypto world. So a lot of really exciting stuff coming up over here. Of course, we put out our content all the time here on YouTube, but we also release on our podcast channel as well. So feel free to follow us through any podcast platform that you prefer. But also, please do us a favor. Make sure that you like, subscribe, and comment on these videos. We want to make sure that everybody is getting exactly what they want out of Cryptocurrent Live. So please hop in the chat, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and we'll try to make the show better for you every week. Um, but anyway, we got a big show ahead, so I think we should just dive right into it. Um, this week, we are talking a lot about getting to know the layers of Web3. Um, and also, by the end of it, we're going to share a little bit more in our blockchain bets segment about what, what six top projects we think you need to have on your, on your watch list. So what do you think? Want to get into a little bit of the news first? Let's get it. Let's educate these people. All right, buddy. This is Buy, Sell, or Hoddle. Buy, buy, sell, or hoddle. So every week here on Cryptocurrent Live, the very first segment we always do in this show is Buy, Sell, or Hoddle, a little moment where we give you some of the latest, greatest news from the world of cryptocurrency. 
and let you know whether we think it's bullish news or bearish news. And in this case, today's headline is Joe Biden has signed the infrastructure bill into law. Richard, tell me a little bit about what you're getting out of this and what we really need to be focusing on out of this story. All right. So some key takeaways. First, um, passed with the infrastructure bill passed with the crypto broker reporting requirement. It's extremely vague. So it casts this giant veil across the word crypto broker. And that is just opening the floodgates of allowing a lot more people to technically be under that definition. Now, uh, initially, uh, experts are saying that the broad definition will stifle innovation. And I think there's some truth to that. But overall, I, I don't think that's going to end up being the case simply because um, even with people being under the definition of a crypto broker, people are still going to be investing. People are still going to find a way to get into crypto. Like crypto's here. Crypto was on the precipice of like, will this be something or will it crash and go to nothing? I'd say like in the last cycle of 2018 to 2020. So like there was a true bear moment where we saw the top of the Bitcoin go all the way down from like, you know, 19,000, close to 20,000, all the way down to three. And when it was chilling there and it would go between like 3,000 and 6,000 for like a few months, it was around that moment where it could be like, okay, crypto could actually just go to nothing. But then 2021 happened. Crypto's not going anywhere. The world knows about it. It's here. And there's a lot of excitement in this space. And you're even starting to see, again, institutional money flooding into the place. And most institutional investors don't want to have egg on their face. They don't want to look silly. And so they're going to find ways to keep making sure that their investments for the investors looks good. So although this opens up the floodgates for other people to potentially be targeted as a crypto broker, um, I don't see this as being necessarily the... Uh, I don't want to say the end of the world, but like the end of crypto or end of crypto innovation, none of that. It's just, it's meant to be a scare tactic. And ultimately it's meant to put an attention lens focus on crypto because the the American government wasn't taking crypto very serious and they are now because they know they need to because they know that they don't jump on this now and don't have something in place for a reason to be looking at this. It's going to kind of just pass them by. And so... I'm going to bring up Senator Loomis proposing a new bill to limit the controversial broker definition. And it's aiming to exclude non-custodial actors, aka miners, stakers, wallet providers, and developers, which is great. Um, I think that's probably going to be extended even more so. But there are already active and proactive people within the U.S. Congress that are looking to uh, dismantle this very vague crypto broker um, Title, if you will. So law experts believe that the provisions treating crypto as cash is deeply flawed. Um, again, looking at this as an investment vehicle, as a lot of crypto is, and even internationally, could it be potentially seen as like cash? Sure. But as it relates to the states, yes, there are a lot of different um, places where you can use your crypto, like exchange your crypto and pay for things in crypto. And that's great. I think that's good for the innovation. But like ultimately, people are going to eventually see that, uh, especially because most payments are done in Bitcoin, people are going to realize that Bitcoin is way too valuable to be spent in regular everyday transactions. So, you know, that will resolve itself. But I digress. Right now, there's 10,000 plus uh, tax reporting. So there's, it's almost impossible to do compliance uh, with that. And then even Again, if they're going to be looking at $10,000 transactions, what investors are going to do, even though it's going to take longer, they're just going to do $9,999 transactions. So it flies under the radar and just do it however many times that they need to do it. So again, even with all these systems, there are ways that they can be manipulated. But all the same, 
I don't see the infrastructure bill in this broad term as I, I, I'm saying to hodl this news. I'm not saying to buy or sell it. I think this is a hodl play. Again, none of this goes, none of this is being enforced, I believe, until 2023. Is that, is that right, Steve? Or is it 2024? It was my understanding that it goes into effect Jan 1 of 2024. But I, right. I, do, want to, I do want to stop you for a second there um, because I happen to actually disagree with a little bit of what you were saying. This is kind of like a first for us on this show. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I normally go contrarian to a lot of opinion in crypto, but I do it because I believe that we have much more upside. This is one of those things where like, you have to make sure that you're seeing through the veil of the media so that you can understand that like, they are not trying to FUD crypto by putting out these pieces. This is not China news, right? We'll get into China news in a minute, but with this, the te- like they put these things in there into this bill because they wanted to fund the infrastructure bill. Like I want to make sure that it's abundantly clear. Our lawmakers thought they could sneak shit in so that they could get more money. That's what like the entire principle is behind bringing in new tax clauses. So with this entire crypto broker definition, it was intended to be broad. I'm really relieved that Loomis is, has already proposed this new bill. Um, she's actually working with um, Senator, I think it's John Wyden, but I know it's Senator Wyden, um, who was the other side of the aisle from her um, when they were actually working on the amendment in the Senate. They've already come together and they've already drawn up a better definition of broker. That to me is really reassuring. So they are going to definitely resolve a lot of this between now and when it goes into effect in the latter part of 2023. The part that I disagree with is the $10,000 transaction reporting piece. I still think that's a really big deal. Um, And the fact that they're not yet addressing it doesn't mean that it's not going to be addressed. I think that's the biggest piece that people need to be hearing here is that just because it's not being addressed right now doesn't mean it won't. A lot of lobbyists, a lot of crypto experts are coming out and they're speaking out to their senators. They're like seeking meetings, trying to get it reversed or trying to get it, um, I guess, better clarified because that is impossible, dude. Like there's no, there's no two ways to it. And as much as you want to think that like they're going to do these $9,999 transactions to get around it, they're not. Anybody that's thinking that way is just going to try and literally defraud it and basically avoid paying their taxes. That's the mentality of somebody that's going to do it that way because the people that are currently being told that they need to report these styles of transactions, they're larger entities. They're DeFi plays. They're they're actual brokers. A lot of the people that are out there that are you or or me but have a lot more money than you and I currently have they're going to have to report on this stuff right now unless it gets reversed or a better treatment. So to me, I think that that's the piece that we need to see get moved against very quickly here. Um, But I'll definitely, I'll give you an opportunity to like respond to that. No, I mean, you bring up a good point. So the way I look at it is, there's a tax to be an American and you're going to pay taxes on things. And right now they're going after crypto. If you are trying to not pay your taxes, you can find a way and you can find a way and you can do whatever you have to do to make that happen. I think for the people who are going to 
planning on running and doing their crypto taxes anyway. This is like nothing new. Like there are different uh, systems out there. I'm, I'm gonna give a quick shout out to CryptoTrader.tax. That's the one I used last year that we had them on the show. Great one. Helped me with my crypto taxes. I threw that stuff in there. They told me how much I needed to report and needed to pay or whatever. It took like a matter of minutes and it cost me a couple hundred bucks. It was one of the best investments I made last year. Um, but the whole point being is that like, I'm going to pay my taxes. So like if I have a $10,000 transaction, a $100,000 transaction, a million dollar transaction, it don't mean no, it makes no difference to me because I plan on reporting that because I'm paying my taxes. So it doesn't matter. But for those who are trying to not pay their taxes, I feel like this is a bigger deal. So that's kind of how I look at it. And again, there are a lot of platforms out there like that. I mean, I think they, the one that I heard about most recently was Zen Ledger. And, there, and there's also like another one called like um, NFTbank.io or something like that. I, the point is, is there's a lot of platforms out there that you can start tracking your taxes and report in an accurate way without overdoing it and killing yourself over it. But I agree with you on the tax reporting side of things. Like in this country, like it pays to live the free life that we have. And you have to take that on the nose. I'm not, I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. What I'm saying is at the end of the day, our lawmakers need to be informed about the fact that what they're asking anybody that meets that criteria to report on is near impossible to comply with given the volume of transactions. Because again, what they're asking for here on this tax report, uh, transaction reporting um, piece is that for every single transaction that is in excess of $10,000 US, they want you to report not just who the sender is, they want the transaction address, they want the social security number of that individual on the other end, they want their address, and they, they want all of the KYC information for every transaction. Okay, that like that's the piece that is just... Yeah. That's the impossible bit. It's not like you can't just run an export and get all of those pieces out there. Like people are going to just export the entire transaction log and send the IRS the entire transaction log. Guaranteed, that is what people will do. But to get that extra bit of all of the sender information, that's what makes it impossible. So yeah, and that's where I follow. Just sorry, just to just to give like a, a quick scenario with that. So I've used this this thing called Simple Swap. Uh, so it's a DEX where literally they have a certain amount. You say, I want to send, let's call it one Bitcoin. And in return, I want to get whatever the equivalent is in Ethereum. So I set it up and I'll give them my ERC-20 address. And then they send me an address to send to. I send to that address. And then in return, I also get that money back into my address. So like, there is no way I can report to the IRS who that sender was because I have no idea. Other than the fact that it was this DEX, I have zero idea if that came from an individual person, a group of people, a liquidity pool. I have no idea. So in that capacity, you're right. It's impossible. There is no way I would be able to report who that money, like what the end transaction came from. I can report what I sent to, but where it came from and what I ultimately got back, no idea. Mm -hmm. And see, the, that's, that's like the big picture here is like people need to understand, okay, great. This is the news. Who does it affect? This affects DeFi most, right? It has to, because the entire point of decentralized finance is you're not necessarily having to trust in another individual. It's interacting amongst a network to get the financial means that you're trying to attain at that point, whether it's a loan, 
or um, you know, farming, whatever it is. If you're entering into that world, you can't get that information. It's literally impossible. So I see that as the government partially like putting a target on their on the back of DeFi, but the SEC's already said they're going to go after them. So people just need to be aware of it. Anyway, this is a hodl piece. We both agree on that. Let's move into some of these other top stories and at least make sure that they're on your radar. And if we need to dive into one of these in particular, Richard and I definitely will. Um, the other top headlines that we have going on today, just recapping from what happened over the weekend, the SEC did come out and they denied the VanEck spot Bitcoin ETF application. This is a really big deal and it's going to be appealed. Um, I'm just going to leave it plain and simple at that. There are a whole bunch of other applications out there for Bitcoin spot ETFs. And we've talked about that at nauseum on this channel before. Yeah, um, launched my last week. Yep. But the reality of these spot ETFs, which are essentially, they have the amount of Bitcoin on hand to back up every single one of the shares. That's the entire purpose of it, as opposed to trading on a future. The SEC denied it, said no we're protecting our investors. It's too volatile of a market, blah, 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 blah. Protecting, protecting, protecting. It's all BS. Gary Gensler is terrible. And that's the reality. We need more people to be speaking out against that. <clears throat> Next, Israel has announced that they are adopting new anti-money laundering regulations for crypto. That went into effect today. Um, personally, I think it's a really interesting story. It's not going to affect the broader world. But AML is something that is going to be a topic of developing interest throughout the next bear market. Um, so keep that on your radar for sure. I told you we were going to talk about China earlier. China has officially issued a warning to all of their state-backed enterprises to cease involvement in Bitcoin mining. That should not be news. It just means that inside China, basically all of these state-owned businesses gave their government the middle finger when they originally were told to stop mining. <laughs> um, it doesn't change anything. It's not a FUD story. The next piece was the Texas power grid may in fact be strained by an influx of Bitcoin miners. It was no secret that when all of those miners left China, that they had to find new homes because they weren't just going to cease operation. So we found out through the last couple of months that a lot of those miners found their way um, to Kazakhstan, but also to the States. So one of the States that they went to that was very mining friendly was in fact Texas. But last year, the Texas power grid suffered a massive catastrophe when basically it went down during a deep freeze in the state of Texas. Richard experienced that firsthand. Yep. So Terrible. I guess like just on that front, Richard, tell me whether or not you think that that is worrying for, I guess, the state of Texas and even miners in the state of Texas. Ooh, man. Um, so I'm selling that news personally just because... We Texas got in exposed last year, and they're definitely doing things in place to build up that infrastructure. But they also made it crypto friendly for a lot of these miners to come in. So, like, I don't know that they're going to be able to at the same rate that they're letting miners come in at the opposite rate of like trying to build more infrastructure. I don't know how quickly they're able to do it. As long as we don't experience another ice storm, I think we're fine. But it, if somehow we had another <laughs> what we had earlier this year happen again next year. Oh, we're, the the power system in Texas is screwed. I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that a like once in a forty year type storm? Uh, 
Yeah, like the likelihood of it happening very low. But another reason why I'm still selling that news is because people are gonna the same thing. Like even though it's a one in every fifty year type of deal, the, the amount of energy that Bitcoin takes, like if enough of these miners are put up, it could be like the same type of situation where it's like this ice storm is happening, but it's broad daylight and it's the summer. So like that's why I'm selling this news because if they don't kind of start to figure out what that cap could look like, we could see an issue, especially as we go into these winter uh, times. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. And I think that the study that people need to start paying more attention to is the percentage of those businesses in Texas that have brought Bitcoin miners to Texas that are running on renewable sources. We need more information on that. I will be doing some more um, research into that and I'll try and get back to you with that so that you can be more informed on it. Um, Other news that we have in the headlines right now include Injective Protocol, really great DeFi play, um, has announced that they're officially launching their mainnet today and have also told their community that they will be beginning a $120 million DeFi incentive program for development on Injective. That's very cool. Final piece of news literally broke earlier today. And that was that Coinbase has now added three new coins. They are big. ALCX, which is Alchemix. Um, our friends over at Token Metrics have been really high on Alchemix for like the better part of the last six months. Um, definitely do your research on that if you are into um, smart DeFi plays. Gala, which is a gaming play. Chris, of course, is skeptical of everything gaming and crypto, but I will tell you that they are a development studio. So basically, they're bringing in a bunch of titles to crypto. That's their entire purpose. Um, they have a, a game out right now that just started selling NFT property called Spider Tanks. It looks sick as hell. Definitely do some research into Gala, but this is a new entry point for individuals in the primary markets to get their hands on Gala. And then if you have not been under a rock in the last week, you've probably heard of ENS. ENS is the Ethereum name service token. It's their governance token. And Richard, I don't know historically if there's been a quicker adoption of a coin by major exchanges. I told you this last week after the announcement came, if they get the Coinbase listing in the near term, this coin is going to do ridiculous things. What do you think? Did you see this coming? Oh, dude, I'm buying this simply because, um, again, no financial advice ever. These are our own opinions. Um, the Coinbase double is a real thing. Uh, we, I've said it multiple times in the past. I will continue to say this until I'm blue in the face. Pretty much any project that comes up on Coinbase at whatever set price it comes in at, at some point it will double. If you go back in history to every single coin that has ever come on Coinbase, just because you're now on a more liquid platform and more eyes are on it, more people now have access to trade on it, typically within 6 to 12 months, sometimes a lot faster, you see it double in price. So I think, you know, three solid projects right in front of you. Oh yeah, for sure. And again, like for perspective, for those who aren't familiar with this coin, because again, it was up until a couple of days ago, not inside the top 300. Now it's a top 125 coin, um, literally on launch, which blows my mind. ENS is like it within a day and a half, like they were already listed on Binance and KuCoin, which is insane. But they also got in two other primary exchanges outside of the US. And now they're listed on, I want to say, the vast majority of primary exchanges. Coins take forever to get listed, right? Like that's not a major exchanges too, right? 
like it takes a long time. Like even the list that you have over at Coinbase right now, like for newcomers, it probably seems extensive, but it took a long time for some of these projects to get listed there. And the fact that EMS has done this in a week, like a week, that's just, it's silly. So um, I'm fascinated by it. I personally have a bit of ENS. I'm not, again, giving financial advice on this. I think that it is a project that is going to have um, definite legs in the long run though. So look, that has been Buy, Seller, Hodl for us this week. If there are other headlines that you would like us to cover in the future on Buy, Seller, Hodl, we will be back, of course, on Thursday with the next edition of Cryptocurrent Live where Chris and I will be sitting down to talk about more news and also, of course, um, our other two segments, which are Two Bulls, One Coin, where we get into taking apart one specific project for you um, live. And then also the Aftershock segment where we talk about the biggest news of the week. So if you think that you know the biggest news of the week and you want us to cover it, leave us a comment below and we will make sure that it's on our radar and we will cover it for you on Thursday. But we have our next segment up. Um, But before we get there, I just want to make another quick reminder to everybody. If you found any of this extremely helpful, please let us know in the comments. Make sure you're liking the video and also subscribing. Frankly, you can also dislike this video if you want. We just want to get your feedback on what you think of the content that we're putting out. Um, But of course, also make sure that you are following Cryptocurrent up on Twitter and Instagram and even on TikTok where we are putting out some very entertaining content of Richard um, doing things. I don't really know how to say it beyond that. But like, you're definitely doing stuff in those videos. It's just, it's not just like you staring at a camera. So again, that's been Buy, Seller, Hoddle. Let's move into our next segment, which of course... Crypto Decrypted. Every week on our Tuesday show, we bring you Crypto Decrypted. Crypto Decrypted is where we like to break down one big topic. And this week, Crypto Decrypted is tackling navigating blockchains layers. So... When we talk about layers in this space, it's important to understand that we're building on the infrastructure of the internet, right? So in the original internet, there are different layers that came along. You may have at some point learned about the origin of the internet and how it was founded by DARPA, which is like a US government agency. And eventually, it was rolled out publicly and people started building on the internet as a public resource and utility. So... When we talk about layers, let's start to paint this picture real quick. Richard, give me your take on simplifying layers for our audience. All right. So we have layer zero, which I'll I'll let you explain that in a minute. Layer one, layer two, and layer three. So first, let's look at layer one. This is your baseline protocol. So uh, we look at for example, uh, Bitcoin, the original OG, how crypto all started. Um, it's base layer one protocol only does a handful of transactions per second. Whereas compared to like a newer age layer one protocol of Solana does like, think close to like 50, 40 to 50,000 transactions a second. So it's just a scalability of how how fast can transactions, how many concurring transactions can happen um, all at once. So then layer two is a protocol that's built on top of layer one. It's usually to help with scalability, usually that platforms can be built on top of. So for example, Ethereum, uh, layer one protocol is is there. Then you have layer two that's built on top of it. So you have like ERC-20 tokens, so NFTs. If you 
are familiar with those. That's like a layer two. Um, so then you have protocols that are then built on top of that. So for example, um, you have uh, Ethereum that was built. Um, and then on top of Ethereum, you then have uh, Polygon. And then on top of Polygon, you have Matic. So getting into like layer three. So three layers above where you originally started. So that's kind of how just at a base level understanding, those are where the layers start. And then uh, Steve, I'll let you talk to layer zero. So I want to get to layer zero actually in a little bit more time here. I want to be able to build on what people understand of like the internet stack first. Um, but your your definition was pretty um, pretty solid there for what we need to at least start getting into your head. Um, the thing that people need to start with, at least in my opinion, to really understand the depth of this is that the way that the internet was built it was built as a stack. Like literally there's a stack of different pieces that enabled the internet to do the things that it does today. So that is what is called the OSI stack. And it starts from the base layer down there, the physical layer, and it builds up to the application layer. So we're just going to run through this real quick so that you can understand at the origin of the internet, we started with the physical layer. People had to build a layer where it controlled the stream of all of this data over hardware. So like it was all connected by cables that they ran under the ocean from you know place to place to transmit data at really high speeds. Now we're starting to do that via satellite, but that's the physical world layer. Then you get to the data link where people are where the computers are essentially formatting that data on the network live so that it can be translated between devices. Then you have the network layer. That is effectively determining, okay, how am I going to get the data that was just translated from point A to point B? Transport layer, duh, we're transmitting data. Session layer, we're starting to control what is con considered port connectivity. So connecting platform to platform. So like if you wanted to um, connect data inflow from one source to another, you need what's considered an API. That starts to get into play here because, again, we're talking about porting data from one source to another. Presentation layer, this is where we're starting to get into what you see on typical user interface, where, where, whether you're using Facebook or um, you're even just using like different, uh, like Google Slides, Google um, Docs, Google Sheets. All of that is like the surface layer of data formatting and then also encryption, making sure that your data is secure and private. Then finally, the current internet gets you to the application layer, where essentially you have that actual human computer inter interaction. So you're posting on Facebook, you're tweeting, you're doing all sorts of stuff across the internet, whether it's e-commerce, you pick, watching this YouTube video, for example. Um, that is how it was built. And it could not get to the application layer without having a data link layer. You couldn't get to the presentation layer without having a physical layer. It has to be built like that. So when we get into this larger discussion about blockchain stack, we are actually applying old principles to new systems. You have to build it sequentially. So when Bitcoin came along, like, just like Richard had said, it was layer one. So in the layers of Web 3.0, as we're starting to develop into this new world of taking ownership of the internet, we started with the network layer, layer one. Now, you see the routing layer underneath that at layer zero. You need to understand that that principle came just after the fact. 
So people started developing that idea after we already had Bitcoin, after we already had XRP, after we already had some of these very significant precursors that were founded during the the cypherpunk era. So network layer one is Ethereum, creating a network. Solana, another network. Cardano, a network. XRP, Bitcoin. All of those are networks. On top of that is where we start getting into layer two, which actually is the broader sense. It is the settlement layer. So just as Richard had said, with Polygonmatic, it is a layer two system, but it is built on top of a data stack first because you need to be able to flow data into Polygonmatic, which is a consensus system. It's the means of verifying on their network. And then it scales up into the contract. So we mention smart contracts all the time on here. In the Ethereum world, you have three specific contracts. You have ERC-20, ERC-721, and ERC-1155. These are all the mechanisms with which you're able to transact. These are contracts that can execute on the data that is basically baked in below it or that is fed to the contract. From there, we get into modeling and application layer. Richard did mention that that is sort of what is considered layer three. It is and it isn't. So for protocols that are a a verified layer two solution like Matic, they can have their own layer two above it because in the situation of Polygon Matic, they actually have started to kind of take on the responsibilities of a layer one in a lot of ways, right? So mm-hmm. on top of that, it's kind of like more of like a layer 2.1 because these three layers are really, really essential. So in that case, you start to you know, see these applications form where you're going on a Uniswap to swap tokens. You're going to SushiSwap to swap tokens or buy NFTs. Excuse me. You're going on to Aave where you can handle lending. Or even into the gaming world with Engine or Decentraland. All of that takes place at the very top. And none of it can actually work without the underlying layers functioning properly. But also calling upon the layers below it. Then you get to these two outer bands. You have interface and you have routing. So real quick, interface is where you are actually touching Web3 directly. So what you have likely on your browser is a MetaMask wallet or a Trust wallet. Both of these are where you actually have Web3 interaction points built in. That's where you come in. Basically, the, the comparable to what we had in the internet stack of the human computer interface. Layer zero is the really foundational element that lies underneath all of these ecosystems. That came into play, Richard, tell, like from your perspective, was it probably in the last three years? Yeah, I'd say um, end of 2018, 2019. So that's when it started to become a much more prominent idea. And it's this idea that we need not just to have these networks found at layer one, but we need them to be able to communicate. We need to create an internet of blockchains. So Avalanche, Polkadot, um, Syntropy, and Cosmos, all four of those are layer zero solutions. They're actually working on creating networks 
of networks. They want Ethereum to be able to communicate with Solana. They want Solana to be able to communicate with Cardano. They want all of those networks to communicate with their main layer solutions that are built on top of these networks. So all of them take unique approaches, but this is what we're talking about when we bring up a stack. One can't function without the one underneath it. So Richard, based on what you're seeing on screen right now, is there something more that we need to dive in, into here when we're talking about understanding these layers? So when I'm looking at this, I mean, I think everything built pretty nicely on, on top of each other. Uh, but there are some other elements that are coming into this within different ecosystems that I think there's definitely some more that we can unpack. Okay, what comes to mind? So, well, I mean, it, it might be outside of the, the scope of this, but like, you know, I think of things of like parachains and you also just think about like things like ZK rollups and that's going to be its own world. And we're going to unpack that at a different time, but not to throw too much of a wrench in this, but like as it's just succinctly goes through. And of course, for everyone that's listening to this on the recast, highly recommend that you go check this out on our live YouTube um, so that all these graphics make sense. But like, again, looking at this, I mean, this looks pretty solid. Again, the 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 only thing that like I I might push back on just a little bit is like at what point does layer 2.1 become layer 3 or like are they interchangeable? Yeah, it's just let's call that gray for now, but we still have a lot of ways to go on the rest of the layers that are I'm sure to come. Yeah, I mean there and there are plenty of layers that are um theorized on top of this. I mean there and that's like written out in scientific papers. That's why I'm trying to make sure that we drive into okay, what do we know right now? Right. Yeah. If it's going to be developed as layer three, like it's great. Like it'll be developed as layer three, and we'll cover that on another episode. Um, but I do really appreciate you bringing that up, though. That you know, if you're listening to this on recast, we have graphics for all of this over on YouTube, um, and we will also make sure that it's posted on crypto-current.co in our recap of crypto crypto decrypted, which will be coming out on Thursday. Um, so, what you were saying there with um, things like zk rollups and with pa and parachains. You're right, we should cover it in more depth later. But I think it is worth at least mentioning that parachains are something that is a new methodology that's being specifically rolled out through Polkadot, which is a layer zero routing platform. Now, Polkadot was also developed on the same basis as Ethereum in a lot of ways. But parachains are what enable connectivity. It enables all of these new players to come in and start to be an innate like a, a connectivity enabled um defi ecosystem like starting to en enable it to like put its tree branches out and touch other networks so you, you need to just start to think about it that way but the big word about routing is connectivity and interoperability so that is the entire purpose of layer zero and i think that can tie that up pretty um, concisely for today. ZK rollups is an entirely different animal. And we will attack that um, a different day. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's so big. So at, again, we just dove deep, right? We just covered a lot of information. It's, it's not the most sexy thing in the world, but I want to dive into two questions real quick. And the first of which is, what is the actual value of understanding blockchain layers? So what is your take on this question? 
in order to explain it to where the future is headed, you have to understand your past. You have to understand the foundation. And a lot of people, when even thinking about like, how is a city built? You think about the infrastructure between cities and like also understanding like where traffic's going to flow, also understanding where water's going to flow, everything like that. There's a lot of planning that has to go into that so that you can keep building on top of it, whether it is buildings, whether it is um, places to live, et cetera. You have to understand the infrastructure of how crypto and blockchain is being built out. Because as you start to understand how it all is kind of being built out, you can kind of see where there's voids. You can see where there's opportunities. You can see where where certain projects filled a certain void of a particular layer, but where others have failed. Prime example, um, you know, and again, I, I might be a broken record here, but I'd like to bring up Solana just because I've used it and I've just seen how much better it is with all these gas wars. Like Solana saw all the great things that Ethereum did and they were like, how do we make this faster and cheaper? And they said, okay, let's just make sure our base layer one is faster. And that's exactly what they did. And so you'll start to see other projects start to look at different layers within the blockchain crypto ecosystem and, and identify voids and say like, how do we make this more efficient? Or, hey, this hasn't been built yet. Here's a, a true problem. Here's how we fix it. And that's how you can start to find some of these amazing projects in the space that make a ton of sense, may take time to build out, but once executed, can turn out to be absolutely amazing. Yeah, and see, I think that the way that you just said that, Rich, it really does sum up very clearly the value of understanding blockchain layers from a creator's perspective or like an innovator's perspective. But just so that you at home know this, it also does in fact apply to you. Even if you are just starting to explore the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency, understanding blockchain layers applies for a very similar reason. Because if you are going to go and invest in something and you want to start to understand the language with which they're going to try and sell you on their platform, you should know what it's built on. You should know, okay, this I'm, I'm really interested in getting into Immutable X. They build themselves as a layer two um, protocol that makes NFTs easier to move on the Ethereum blockchain. So what necessarily goes into that? you should start to understand the things that make it possible. Because especially if you don't see how it's all connected, you're, you're going to end up investing in something that is non-executable, right? The team that is behind it is going to struggle to actually execute against its vision if the layers underneath it are not properly incorporated. So it ends up coming down to like a logic experiment, but it'll make you a smarter investor, especially if we're talking about, you know, fundamental knowledge. If you decide to invest on the long-term scale, having an understanding of blockchain layers enables you to assess and evaluate the fundamental factors of a project a lot better. So that to me is a greater piece of value that you get out of it even if you're not an innovator, if you're just on the side of like trying to understand blockchain for the first time. So let's speak to that for another second with our second question. Which of these layers deserve the most attention in the current market cycle? Now, that's, that's a big question, Richard. It's a huge question. Okay, um, so understanding that we have a limited timeline left and what is currently happening in the market and the, evaluating the current trends which of these layers deserve your attention? 
right now if you're trying to depends on what your goal is. Um for me personal, it's how do I make as much money in these next couple of months before the end of this bull cycle wraps up. So I think the most opportunity right now is in layer two. Um, I think once we get back into bearish opportunity, a lot of that's going to go back to layer one. Um, And looking at how they're going to continue to build their infrastructures that then make the layer twos and layer threes even um, better. So I also would say that potential layer threes um, during the the bearish cycle could be pretty um, instrumental as well. So uh, I think right now the big play is in, in layer two. What do you think? So before I give you my thought, I want to ask you more specifically, and um, just for the sake of like reviewing the actual graphic that we put together, when you are talking about layer two, understanding mm-hmm. that as the entire settlement layer, what specifically within that layer are you speaking to? Like, give me three projects that pop out as you know layer two solutions that are going to be valuable for the rest of this market cycle. So it's going to be applications for me. Um, and it's also, it's applications are going to be the biggest one and in, okay. in, in my opinion. Uh, and then after that, potentially data, but I think data is probably going to be a bigger play come the bear cycle. Okay. So the other, I mean, there was one other piece that you had mentioned that I just want to make sure I point out for our listeners. You did mention some of like the scaling element within layer two. So that would, of course, be speaking to things in the consensus systems as well, like Phantom, Immutable X, Polygon, and Terra. So I, I just want to make sure that I'm echoing what you had just said. Yeah, you you are. And I still think uh, Terra's and Polygon are going to be just absolutely massive. But as it relates to the immediate, like, well, I guess, again, it, goes, it all goes to timeline. But yes, just applications and... I'm still going to go with data being in the bear, but like the consensus with like a Luna Polygon. Immutable X is probably going to be massive too. The challenge that I have with a couple of these is that a lot of these consistent systems are great in theory and like will make money in, in, you know, a decent amount of time, but most of them are going to fail because it's a very hard problem they're solving. And so it's like, how do you pick the right ones? I don't know that you necessarily can, but if you do, you're going to do extremely well. But like consistent, consistent systems are extremely hard to solve. I would agree. Um, I think that there's one piece that people need to be thinking about more often than not. And that's when they're evaluating that question of consensus is more so like where, where is TVL right now? TVL, of course, meaning total value locked. So the amount of value and money that is currently locked up in that ecosystem. That's a huge metric to determine whether or not it's actually got staying power. Um, The other piece of the puzzle there for consensus systems is actual adoption. Like, what does the user base look like? How active are your users? So to me, all of these, to your exact point, they don't have enough basis to really take off. So in my world, as I look to the next phase of um, you know where we're headed after this cycle, I think that routing in layer zero is going to be the biggest thing. But for this current cycle, I'm probably leaning still more layer one. But I think that I'm leaning layer one if I'm wanting to play conservative. I think that if I want to be a little bit more risky, I'm just like you. I'm going straight to the application layer. 
because that's where people are trying to get their hands dirty right now. They want to be able to play. They want to be able to start to engage in the world of DeFi and NFTs. And that all happens at the application layer. So look, those are our quick takes on what we are seeing in terms of um, what you should be paying attention to within the current market cycle, given these new layers that we're bringing to your attention. But that's going to wrap up our Crypto Decrypted segment for this week. Again, if you appreciate this segment, show us a little bit of love. Give us a like. We'd appreciate it a lot. Um, We really do want to make better content for you and to engage with you and keep this conversation going. So leave us a comment as well. But we have one final segment that we always bring you on Tuesdays where we bring you our top picks for the week ahead. That should be pretty easy considering we just had a massive market sell-off. So um, it's going to be a very tight competition this week. But let's jump into blockchain bets. Blockchain bets. So this week, just like every week on blockchain bets here at Cryptocurrent, we bring you three picks each. Richard will give you his top blue chip pick, which is a uh, project that is valued in terms of market cap in the top 50. Then he will bring you a mid cap, which is going to be from projects 50 to 300. And then last but not least, we will get very, very speculative because again, as I like to say on this channel, we are your crypto commentators and financial speculators. We'll get into the most speculative. That of course is the DGEN casino of anything that has market cap 300 and above. I of course will chime in from time to time and give you my picks, but let's get into the experts picks, shall we? Richard, what is your blue chip this week? All right. So my blue chip is going to be Polygon Matic. We talked about it earlier. We're talking layer two. We're talking scalability. Um, Polygon, even with all of the bullish momentum that's been happening in the market, it's kind of just been steady and hasn't had seen significant pump up. Um, it's, it's retracing right now. It's finding its support around its current levels. I believe it's around like $1.60. And uh, I believe once support is found for Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the, the rest of the, the blue chips out there, and we see our potential next run up, um, this is going to be one that does pretty well. So um, in the next week, I think that Polygon Matic could see a, a pretty solid run. Dude, Polygon is so undervalued. It is. It's, it's not even fair. It's going to be used for so much more. You have so many gaming plays that are being built on Polygon. Um, to me, like I see that right in the same kind of league as Cardano now. And that's big for me to say, considering I've been a Cardano bull for like the entire cycle. Um, But I think that you got a really good pick there and they will be picking up Steam shortly, I'm sure. My pick this week is kind of similar. I'm going to go with Algorand. Um, Algorand is a layer one protocol, similar to Ethereum and Cardano. But Algorand has been getting a lot of private funding lately. Like a lot of private funding. So to me, when I see the market down and it not reacting to a lot of this funding news and it's really flying under the radar, I see a big opportunity and I see them probably staging up some type of bigger announcement. It's actually going to capture a lot of attention. Um, they had the AVM announcement, which is the Algorand virtual machine announcement, um, I want to say like a month ago. And People are still underestimating the impact of that. So I'm picking Algorand, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. But Richard, what do you have as your mid cap this week? So my mid cap is Kasama. Um, I think that, and that's KSM. 
it has been retracing pretty hard. It's found it's one of its local support systems. So a lot of what I'm saying this week is going to be very TA driven. So it's technical analysis, not so much fundamental. Uh, but I mean, fundamentally, like there's a lot of excitement still in the Kusama network. There's a lot of really cool uh, platforms being built on top of it. A good example uh, is a uh, Kusama starter, uh, which is one that I brought up in the past, but all the same, uh, it has pulled back pretty significantly. It's at one of its current uh, support lines. I think it's going to hold. And that means that we could see it in the next week flip pretty pretty well. So that's another pick. It's going to be a lot motivated by technical analysis. And that's why I'm going with Kasama. Awesome. Well, my pick in the mid cap this week is going to be ThorChain. Um, ThorChain is granted an interoperability play that's built on top of Cosmos. However, I think that it's got one of the strongest teams out there. Um, to me, the ability to exchange assets across any protocol is something that is super needed within this space. And they got the absolute hammer dropped on them earlier on this cycle due to two hacks um, that were just super unfortunate. They fortunately were able to work with the... Um, the hackers behind it to get the money back. Um, they ended up being a white hat hacker group and they basically worked together to patch the flaw. Um, but all of that then was returned to the holders and it has not recovered since. So right now, I believe it's trading right around $10 or just under $10 since the market drop. I think that's a really, really solid entry because it is going to return to all-time highs eventually. And I think that it may be able to pick up a pretty big run once we start to see money move around in this next week um, from people buying the dip. Now for the best yeah. part of the show. I just want to say that was a really good pick. I also am a big fan of ThorChain. They're doing some awesome things in the space. And they even just dropped their own NFT, uh, ThorGuards. Yeah. Uh, might be a fun little thing to go check out. So I guess just to ask the question before that, we, we've discussed it in the past. So like again, if you're a fan of the show and you like hearing our calls, let us know if you want to hear about more of our NFT picks for the week. Um, but Richard, would that be your NFT pick of the week right now? Yes. By far. They sold out their minting in like 15 minutes. So like, especially right now where we're kind of in this uh, NFT like dead zone where things are a little bit slower and not picking up the fact that they sold out that quickly. And they sold their rarest NFT for like half a million dollars. Yeah, it's, it's one to look at. Yeah, look, I, I really like the design of them, actually. I think that it's something kind of new. It actually almost reminds... I was thinking about this earlier. Um, it kind of reminds me of Funko Pop a lot. Mm. Um, nice. So an interesting sort of vibe over there. Um, I will tell you right now, I don't have an NFT pick this week. I watched that market really, really closely. The volume's returning to it. Like, let's not get that twisted. It is absolutely returning. Um, because Ethereum has been trading sideways and down. In those situations, that's when we start to see some life out of the NFT market. And outside of those times, that's when it goes dead. For right now, I'm not going to give a pick for NFTs, but I think that I would love to hear more about your DGEN Casino play because it's one that's even new to me. All right. So Merkle Network, we just talked about interoperability in, in different platforms trying to do that. That's what Merkle Network is trying to do. So ultimately, uh, they are uh, a Web 3.0 inter 
interoperability protocol that enables cross-chain transfers from blockchain assets and data between blockchains. So they are trying to basically aspire to do what ThorChain is doing, and they're just doing it in a different way. Um, and it also goes to the point of something that I wanted to bring up earlier and forgot to mention that there are a lot of projects that are literally doing the same thing in different ecosystems. And it doesn't make them any less valid because going back to the consensus thing that I brought up earlier is that it's hard. It's a very hard thing to solve. There's, I mean, a lot of the different protocols, whether it's data, what have you, any of the different layers, they're very hard problems being solved in each of these. But after the problems have been solved and they have a pretty secure layer there, that's when they become rock solid because then you can keep building them to worry about that layer anymore. And so um, right now, there's a lot of space in the interoperability standpoint. And Markle is the one that's trying to go after it. And they have a deep sense of, of, of getting that done. So that's going to be the call. Awesome. And mine, in fact, is going to be very similar to that. Um, remind me real quick, because I don't actually know. Do you know what network Merkle is built on top of? Uh, Smart Chain. Okay. So I hate it. But also, <laughs> let's get into a different interoperability pick. Um, I'm picking Bifrost this week. Um, and the reason that I'm picking Bifrost is because I personally believe that you deserve, as a viewer of this channel and a listener of our um, market musings, to hear about an, interop- an interoperability play that's built on a chain that does not suck. So that's why I'm bringing you Bifrost this week. Bifrost is a, multi, a multi-chain middleman middleware um, protocol that's being built, I believe, on top of Polkadot, but it could very easily be um, a, applied to uh, Cosmos and even the inter- the interoperability extension of Cardano that they're working on. Um, that again, that's me pulling from the back of my head. I definitely know it's being built on. Um, polka dot, but it could be on the others as well. This is extremely low cap. I believe that it is right around $250 million in terms of market cap. And I think that if you have any exposure to this world, you would not be shocked to hear how quickly $250 million in market cap can turn into $1 billion. Um, There's so much money in this space right now, guys. It's just silly. But yeah. look, those real quick, Merkle is Merkle's built on top of Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, Avalanche, and Ethereum. The interoperability with all four of those chains right now. Sorry, just wanted to add that. Look, in that case, I'm going to have a little bit more, um, I guess, faith in Merkle because they at least know how to choose four other really good chains to build on top of. Uh, <laughs> but in any event, dude, I really don't like Binance Smart Chain. Like, there's just something. <laughs> really I couldn't. I couldn't tell. It. Couldn't tell. It. Uh, for another episode. Anyway, that is going to wrap up blockchain bets for us this week. If you enjoyed our picks, let us know. If you have a pick of your own, let us know. We'd love to hear your pick. Um, but you've got those picks right now. They're, those are Polygon, Algorand, Kusama, ThorChain, Merkle Network, and Bifrost. So before we go, we always like to give you a quick run through of the announcements for the week. And we want to make sure that you have these bits and pieces on your radar. Um, first and foremost, earlier today, Elrond has officially announced their Maiar Dex. It has officially launched. Um, if you want to start getting into the Elrond ecosystem, that is going to be your platform of choice to be able to exchange Elrond application layer tokens. Um, then also, um, this was something that I just thought was really fun. 
Um, you probably have played with them as a kid at some point, but um, the Hot Wheels franchise has officially come to the NFT space. They launched their official NFTs on Wax earlier today. I think that's really, really pretty cool. Again, we also put out content here in the form of interviews where Richard sits down with some of the best and brightest in the crypto world. Um, this past Monday, he sat down with Riddick Duda from Sublime Finance. And on Friday of this week, he's going to be sitting down with Christoph from Request Finance, that is an asset management protocol. Um, really exciting stuff that Richard always likes to bring out there. Um, but of course, I'm going to flash it on screen one more time before we call it here. You can, of course, follow me at Steve Miller underscore PHX over on Twitter. You can follow Richard at Richard Carthon on Twitter. You can, of course, find our socials for CryptoCurrent up above. I will not read them to you. You can figure that out yourself. But we will be back with another CryptoCurrent live this upcoming Thursday where Chris and I are going to sit down and bring you the latest and greatest in crypto. Please do us a favor. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. Tell a friend. We would love it if you'd come on by and learn a little bit more about crypto. And in the time being, please do us a solid. Stay CryptoCurrent. We'll see you next time.